You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's the offseason, but staying riled up on the Cowboys never stops. Uh, as we get riled up again here on a Thursday with my man Tom Ryle, your boy Roy White. You can find him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can find me at RW3. And of course, you can follow all the great Cowboys content this offseason, taking you everywhere the, go- the boys go, including Mobile, Alabama at the moment. You can follow that at bloggingtheboys.com and at bloggingtheboys.com. On Twitter. And uh, Tom, as we typically do, right? Questions that need to be answered by the Dallas Cowboys. And we've got a few of them that we hope they will try to address as this offseason progresses. But the Cowboys are already in the throes of it. As we mentioned, taking a trip out to visit with some prospects there at the Senior Bowl and actually giving us some nuggets to chew on in regards to uh, some newsworthy items. First and foremost, the Cowboys sign a new offensive line coach. Uh, Mike Solari is his name, and you had a fun note on him as uh, he has actually spent some time here in Dallas in the past. A long time ago because he coached under Tom Landry for a season or two. Uh, I know there's a lot of old school Cowboy fans that are kind of look at that with a twinkle in their eye because, uh, you know, the there's, there's people that have never gotten over the fact that uh, Jerry Jones fired one each uh, uh, Tom Landry. And they may want to see this as something coming back in. Uh, I did see uh, somebody had gone and pulled up a video of a presentation that uh, Coach Solari made while he was, uh, I don't know if that was when he was with the 49ers, which is a real exciting piece of news that he uh, was out there with Kyle Shanahan. But at one point he, uh, he was presenting a coaching clinic and people were really kind of excited to see the concepts he promulgated and the philosophy he had. And I, I did see a comment somewhere that they felt that the, you know, Philbin and the other uh, offensive line coaches sometimes have had a little trouble earning the respect of the old heads like Zach Martin in the room. And they think Solari might not have an issue with that. So that could be a good thing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Of course, the other piece of news we got is that uh, with the exodus of Kellen Moore and by all accounts, it sounds like that was mutual on both ends. He had a job waiting for him in Los Angeles within about 10 minutes of the announcement that he and the Cowboys had parted ways. But apparently there at the end, Mike McCarthy and he not really seeing eye to eye. Stephen Jones said as much there on Wednesday. And the only thing I would have liked to have heard from Stephen and the Joneses that we never do, unfortunately, is what were the specifics 
in which McCarthy and Kellen Moore disagreed. We know they had a philosophical disagreement, at least according to Stephen, but as the Joneses are so capable of, they just delivered a two and a half minute word salad that ultimately had reporters rolling their eyes in the back of their head and not remembering mm-hmm. the question they asked to begin with. So it's an incredible skill that they both possess. Unfortunately, <laughs> it oftentimes leaves more questions than answers. Um, the, I guess one answer that we did get though, that is worth noting Mike McCarthy going to be the play caller for the Cowboys in 2023. Yeah. Jerry Jones was pretty emphatic on that, where you talk about those long uh, word salads. He just made flat out made a simple declarative statement that, yes, Mike McCarthy is calling the place. And I think that's a hint, maybe, at what the where the differences lay. It, it sounds like there was an issue with Kellen Moore's play calling. Uh, there may have been some talk of him giving that up to McCarthy and that might've been unacceptable for him. Hence the, uh, you know, behind the scenes negotiations with the chargers or whatever, however that came about. Uh, it may also have been just about some of the play designs. Uh, there was, a, you know, the, there was one screenshot from the uh, loss to the 49ers that showed the, the classic Linehan Garrett, uh, play where all the receivers go to the sticks and then turn around to face the quarterback, which is just easy as pie to defend. So somewhere in there, there was something that McCarthy was unhappy about and it didn't work out. You know, it's one of those things that the Cowboys had continued on and beat the 49ers, uh, you know, more might've been back next year, but it's also possible. This just could have been a situation where, he wanted to find greener pastures anyway. You know, I guess we'll find out how that works for him and for the Cowboys. But that kind of takes us into the first of my questions. How are they going to approach replacing more? And I think the answer to that, I mean, I guess the question that comes to mind immediately when I try to answer that question is, does it matter? who they replace Kellen Moore with. Now that Mike McCarthy is the play caller, what will that role look like as an offensive coordinator? And, you know, I'm struggling a little bit to understand how best they should attack that because I don't know if anybody in my mind comes in and makes a difference in that regard. Did you have an approach in your mind as to how you would address that? Yeah, I actually think the fact that the only uh, offensive coordinator interview they've had so far is uh, with Jeff Nixon, who is running backs coach for the Carolina Panthers, or he was. I, I don't know whether he's unemployed right now or whether he's just looking for a promotion uh, and has permission to uh, interview outside of the organization because of that. But obviously he's a running guy a ground game guy. And there's there's kind of some sense in that, given that we all believe that Mike McCarthy is a passing guy who's going to be focused on on throwing the ball and how to advance uh, the uh, advance the offense that way, then he would need a running back guy to come in and take care of that part of the offense, a guy who could make sure they had the right running place. Uh 
who during the week would make sure that the plays were installed in accordance to what he and McCarthy had worked out as the set of plays they need for that game because almost any NFL team has a lot more plays than they can run in a given game. And their, their play sheet for the game is a selection of what they consider the best matches for the opponent of the week. And, you know, any other elements that may come in. Uh, so that sounds like a, a, a really good thing, not the, not the negative that a lot of people said about, oh, gosh, a running guy, because remember, he ain't going to be calling the plays. He's just going to be, if, if this is like I pictured, he's just going to be coming up with the plays out of the, the playbook that are going to be used in the game. And then it's going to fall upon Mike McCarthy as the overall offense guide to put together the game plan, uh, script those first 15 or 20 plays that uh, NFL teams like to do. And he's just going to be selecting his parts to assemble the final game scheme. Uh, And that's, that's kind of how I think it should be. I don't, it, it seems that, that it's so complex anyway that trying to handle both sides of it, that's a lot to put on anybody's plate. I don't care how good they are. Yeah. I, I even thought maybe the Cowboys could do, go with the old split coordinator thing where they have a running game coordinator and a passing game coordinator. Some teams have used that kind of an approach in the past. And that really sets up a, a, a hierarchy uh, of how things are done, where McCarthy is dealing with the big picture things and that overall game plan and the the eagle's eye view you need. Uh, forgive me for using that the word eagle. It's a bad time to be throwing that. Hmm. Anyway, to be Michael using, Parsons over here. Yeah, to be using that bird's eye view of the game to to run things and try to keep things going in a favorable way while the two coordinators would then worry about installation and practice and making sure the right plays were getting practiced and everybody was ready to go. So this is going to be a approach. I love this approach because I think it, it tests Mike McCarthy. It puts him in a position where he does need to be a difference maker from a standpoint of a game plan and approach. Um, Like, I expect that type of impact from my head coach and I want to see that type of impact be made. And I don't know if we've seen that from Mike McCarthy as of yet right now, I can't argue that he's had an impact in terms of, you know, preparation for this team. But if I'm going to argue in favor of that at times this season, I would have to argue against that at other times this season in terms of their lack of preparation for opponents that I thought they should have either handled easily or been better prepared for. And so this is where I would like to kind of see Mike McCarthy separate himself as a head coach. And I think this is a good way of doing it. The proposal you've made. And I want to just mention that I think there's a good chance that Mike was kind of chafing at the bit Uh, I think ever since he got here, because I still think that he was being politic when he said uh, 
Yeah, I I wanted Kellen Moore to stay as my offensive coordinator. Mm. I think there was a heavy hand uh, involved in making him accept that decision. I don't think that was really the way he would have gone. And I think he just wants more control. Remember, he called the plays most of this time in Green Bay. This is not the way he's done it. And I think he wants to get back into that kind of a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is – and I'm not going to sit here and say, man, I think this is all great. This is all going to work out. I'm saying this is going to be interesting to see because if it does work out, then, okay, we might have a good chance this year. Well – That will obviously be an item that people will be keeping an eye on. It's probably the question that will be answered first and foremost this offseason because they kind of need to start putting those pieces in place as they start to then address what personnel moves they want to make. And that, I think, kind of leads us into question number two, what we'd like to see the Cowboys potentially address here in the upcoming weeks and months of the off season. Yeah. And this is, this is one where now we turn our eyes back to those guys down in mobile spouting words in, in, you know, huge bunches. Do the Joneses really grasp how bad the receiver situation is and how they set it up? Jerry was out there claiming he didn't think that, Trading away Amari Cooper was a bad deal, which says to me, yeah, maybe they don't. Yeah, seriously. But you you look at, at what they had. They had C.D. Lamb. Okay, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver one. I think you can make all kinds of arguments. He, he is indeed a top ten receiver in the league. Uh, no problem with C.D. Lamb. Great. They at least had that as their, their foundation. But then I think they overestimated how quickly Michael Gallup was going to return, and he played kind of at 80%, maybe at best. Even by the end of the season, he didn't give them what they needed. Uh, Noah Brown wasn't really able to step up and give them what they want. Uh, they you know, they whiffed they on every other potential move. Uh, whiffed. They drafted a wide receiver in the third round of Jalen Tolbert, who gave them absolutely nothing. They started the offseason with a guy by the name of Dennis Houston and tried to sell us that he would actually potentially make an impact. They signed James Washington in the offseason and told us at some point he'll be on the field and ready to go to make an impact. Oh, he did nothing. They still had Semi Fajoko on the team from a year ago telling us that he's ready to make a step forward, and he gave us next to nothing this offseason. So I don't understand how, and I heard the clip, so I agree with you. I firmly believe the Joneses don't fully understand the type of position they're in, but I don't understand how they could miss it because – that is what they went into this season with. Now, granted, you could argue they they sort of addressed it midway through. The signing of T.Y. Hilton turned out to be a, a, a bit of a benefit, right? It maybe wasn't as great as it was sold by the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, 
he had like a half dozen or so really good plays. Yeah, I like his impact was only meaningful because of the fact there was such a lack of impact from anybody else. And he just wasn't seeing the field enough to have an impact. Yes. Um, now, looking forward, you know, Michael Gallup is having surgery on his other leg, and this time they are fully expecting that he's going to be ready to go when the offseason workouts start. Uh, that would be a good thing. So maybe we've got hope that they've got wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, but there's still nothing really behind them. I saw that they're talking about OBJ again. Uh, you know, I, I, if, if OBJ is healthy and good to go, I think that would be worth a shot. Uh, I don't know that I'm real confident that that's going to work out that way. And, you know, the Cowboys love to rely on the draft, but as our Connor Livesey uh, has mentioned, this looks like kind of a weak wide receiver class, uh, you know, so that may not be the best avenue to address the thing, which means, hey, remember free agency, guys? Remember see how other teams use it with great effect? Mm, yeah, uh, I don't feel real optimistic that's going to happen. I think they should. I think, and I think they should be going out there looking for a guy who's proven he's a really solid wide receiver three, maybe borderline wide receiver two. That's what they need right now. A guy who can at least combine with Gallup to give them that alternate target uh, to, to distract the defense so they can't take CD Lamb out of the game. Um, you know, if you're going to look a little bit further at receiver, well, I don't think Dalton Schultz is coming back. Uh, I, I really, I really don't think, I think they're going to kind of roll the dice on Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, maybe hoping Sean McCune can come in and give them some depth there. So back we come to the whole idea. Can they find somebody out there in free agency that they can manage to make an attractive enough offer to? Hmm. I'm 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 going to worry about this one until they show me I I can quit worrying. I'm with you there. That's probably issue numero uno. Well, no, not numero uno at the top of my list, but certainly one of them. I mean, they got a million of them. It's yeah, that's, that's why I said we're looking uh, tonight at kind of four things that st- struck me as kind of standing out. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of then, the third part of this and really, you know, the part of the equation that goes into the production from those wide receivers, and that's the other functioning parts of the offensive line. Now, we did get, I guess you could call it good news on that front. Yeah. As Steven like Jones, <laughs> I mean – I don't know if you are going to love it, Tom, because you've been wanting this guy to step back for quite some time now. But Stephen Jones says not only do they expect Tyron Smith to return in 2023, they actually think Jason Peters is going to want to come back and be ready to go in 2023. Oh, well, okay. I hadn't heard the Peters stuff. I'd, I'd seen the thing that Tyron was coming back. And 
if if they are going to bring back uh, Terrence Steele, which he's a free agent, they would have to pony up. The Cowboys do like to pay their own guys, though. So I think if they want Steele, they could get him back in. And my first thought was if they had uh, Tyler Smith, who looks to be the future at left tackle, and they had Terrence Steele healthy and back, and he was he was quite good at right tackle, I think, then Tyron Smith becomes the best swing tackle in the NFL. And that's a great situation for him to play out uh, what, you know, have to be getting towards the waning years of his career. Uh, because then you don't have to worry about how many games is he going to be able to make it. You just have to be worried about, well, can he step up for a game or two? Hopefully, uh, you know, of course, if we found out last year, your starter can go down unexpectedly and you miss most of the season. But the normal expectation would be is that he would spend most of the season as a backup, uh, just getting a little spot work in to, to keep himself fresh, maybe for the game. But as, as in keeping his, you know, mental attitude, getting some live reps and stuff. Now, if they roll with Tyler Tyron, uh, assuming he'd be at right tackle and Jason Peters is the backup. <sighs> that makes me a little nervous because, uh, you know, Ty- Jason was having trouble staying on the field. Tyron obviously missed most of the season. Mm. It doesn't uh, change anything about my plans to address the position in the offseason. I'll say that, right? Like that. Hearing that they could be good to go, that's nice. That's icing on the cake to me. But we need to bake the cake, and we need to bake it now. Otherwise, you know, when it comes time to present it, there's not going to be anything left, right? A year from now, they both will likely be gone, and the Cowboys won't have a plan there if they haven't started trying to address it already. Yeah, that's why, to me, Steele could be a key part of this because at least you'd have your starters. Yes. And then you could address someone that could be a backup and, and come along a couple of years later. So we'll have to see about that. Mm. Now, you want to get to the one that really tightens our both our jaws. Yeah. I can't believe this. I can't believe we're – debating whether or not this is going to happen, Tom. But we have to because of the Joneses and because of what they said. Yes, it's 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 madly frustrating. This is the year, finally, after taking him with the fourth overall pick then giving him way too big a contract, Ezekiel Elliott, can be released and the team can gain cap space. Uh, to it, to me, it's like, please, it's time to move on. We, like we could say him. thank you. We could put out. We could take an ad out in the Dallas Morning News and say thank you, Zeke, for your time as a Dallas Cowboy. We could part as friends. We could yeah, be put cool. him in the Ring of Honor right now. Bingo! Just, like, you know, everything can be cool if he goes now. But I swear, if he sticks around, if they sign him, he lives long enough to become the villain because he's already there. Everybody already knows he's been surpassed on the depth chart. 
just from a talent perspective, but really father time is caught up to him to where he's just not an effective running back anymore. And yeah, it's always to go really, back to that. Well, is yeah. thickening. Yeah. And it, you, we saw him. They're still saying that, Oh, we still had a bad leg. Well, okay. When's it going to get better? Is it going to get better? Or, or have his, have his skills just deteriorated that much? And, Remember, running backs have a tendency to fall off a cliff and never come back. That's just the harsh nature of the NFL. And and the flip side is, it is one of the easiest positions to get a perfectly serviceable part to plug into that hole and move ahead if you've got a good offensive line and if you've got a good, well-schemed running play that is used properly. You don't have to have a, a top five draft pick at the position to, to, to make the running game succeed. Yet the, the Joneses seem to think it's still 1995 and they still need an Emmett Smith to, to get to a championship. And that's just not the way it is. You know, I said a couple weeks ago on Twitter and I had some people come back at me for it. And I guess maybe I should, explain what I meant you know I said if the Cowboys take a running back in the first round it will be proof that there are no more football people left in the building and you know people kind of came back to that and they're like well that'll be proof that there are football people that they're old school football people that you know still think football is played you know one yard at a time kind of thing and what I want to say about that is what I mean when I say football people is the people that understand how today's game is played, that understand how you win in today's NFL and today's football. These are the people I want making the decisions within my organization. And if the Cowboys yeah. do, A, bring Ezekiel Elliott back on nearly any contract, or B, take a running back there in the first round, no matter how talented B. John Robinson might be, they are making a grave, grave mistake by doing so. And it proves in my mind that they haven't adjusted their philosophy to what it truly takes to win in today's NFL. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. Uh, I think that exactly sums it up. And you know, meanwhile, they've got to decide uh, about getting Tony Pollard back because if they keep Zeke and let Tony go, I think you're going to heal the howls of protest, you know, all, all the way to the other side of the world. Uh, Pitchforks at the Ford yeah. Center. It's going to be that would just be to me abysmal. Tony Pollard was your ground weapon. He was the guy that could break it, that could get you a big gain, that stressed the defense. Zeke didn't stress defenses anymore. They just know put some big bodies up front and grab him and they're gonna he's gonna get maybe one or two yards and that's it. Yeah, it felt like at the end like they incorporated him into the passing game, but the yards he would get were basically because team said, we don't care what he does when he catches the ball. We'll tackle him within two or three yards. It's fine. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't working real well, whether it was because Dak was over overthrowing him or whatever. 
yeah, it still wasn't any impact. Whereas Pollard can be a real tool in your receiving core. And uh, yeah, I just that one that one is just depressing to think about. Uh, and and I'm not faithful at all that it's going to turn out well in the end, that they're going to make the right decision. Uh, you know, even even if let's say Elliot takes a big pay cut to help him out with a cap, which apparently he's open to some kind of a pay cut. Even if he does that, he's still a detriment because he's in the room, he's on the team, and I think the Joneses definitely come down to the coaches and say, you better use Zeke. Hmm. And that's just that just gets us right back to where we don't want to be. With all the negatives that we are pointing out, though, like I do want to be fair to him and be fair to the situation. Is there any value to having Zeke on this team still because he is Dak Prescott's right hand man, his running mate, his best buddy? Seemingly. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I I really don't think football works that way yeah uh i don't think whatever he does as far as camaraderie or esprit de corps or whatever that doesn't outweigh the fact that the team see the ball go to him and they know that they've got to have the cowboys in second and nine or second and eight <laughs> and amen. have them behind the sticks amen that's as good as anybody could say but again i want to be fair to ask the question because, you know, it is worth noting that the two are best buddies. They're best pals. So four questions to ponder that hopefully the Cowboys will begin to address, of course, as they make their news uh, and moves along their offensive staff. We'll have you updated on that. As they start to take an eye on guys out at the Senior Bowl, we'll continue to keep you covered from that standpoint. And any moves that they make as uh, we head towards free agency, Tom, just about a month away now from this podcast's airing, uh, we can look forward to that as uh, we obviously have the big game there in Arizona in a week or so that we won't bother talking to any about because, uh, you know, I hear the teams in that kind of suck. I don't have any interest in it. So whatever. There's a game going on next week. Hey, Big deal. But for us, gotta be, I just got to say, Patrick Mahomes grew up like 30 minutes away from where I live. And I used to listen to his high school football games. And even back then, I was going, holy cow, who is this kid? Okay. So I know who I'm pulling for above and beyond the obvious reason i'm not pulling for the other team yeah i would say there's about a 99 percent chiefs rooting interest at least here in texas from yeah. a state standpoint so uh, i'll leave you with that of course hit us up on social media if you have thoughts on what the cowboys should do this offseason where you think they should go along the offensive staff if tom's proposal was interesting to you or if you would tweak it let us know at Tom Rowe BTB or at RW3 on the Twitter sphere and make sure to follow all that content at bloggingtheboys.com. For Tom, I'm Roy. We'll see you next Thursday. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys.